0: So why not keep offering them other products and services and try and keep them part of your family and keep them buying from you because if they're not going to buy from you, they're going to buy from someone else.
1: Hey podcast listener, you're about to discover insider tips, tricks, and secrets to making more sales and converting more prospects into customers with email marketing. For more information about the Email Marketing Podcast or Guy. Go to dropdeadcopy.com slash podcast. Hey, it's John McIntyre here, the Autoresponder Guy, it's time for episode 67 of the McMethod Email Marketing Podcast, where you'll discover one fairly simple thing, how to make more money with every email you send, whether it's with autoresponder, sales funnels, blah, 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 all that stuff. Now, today, I'll be talking to Craig Simpson. Craig's a well-known direct Marketing consultant and coach. Now he's got a done for you A to Z direct mail service, and I wanted to get him on the show to talk about some of his direct mail stuff and how it relates to email marketing. Now, specifically, we're going to talk about the direct mail mindset and uh, how that applies to email. Some really interesting uh, insights here. The testing mindset. Now, I mentioned this before. It's absolute, uh, absolutely imperative. It's essential that you learn this. This whole idea of the split testing mindset, the testing mindset, that when you start a campaign, whether it's paid traffic, whether it's offline, whatever, that uh, initially, if it doesn't work. Work, that doesn't matter because you're, you're in the buying data stage. You're in the trying to you're in the figure out what works stage. You're not in the be profitable from day one stage. The stage doesn't even exist. <laughs> We're also going to talk about the good and bad about direct mail or du- direct marketing, and uh, how good of a copywriter do you really need to be? Because one thing I've been interested in is online. I think you can get away with you don't need to be the best copywriter. You need to have chops if you want to do it, but you don't need to be the best. Because let's say I want to go and do a paid traffic campaign on Facebook, I can go and spend fifty dollars and find out if my copy you know works. If I want to write a sales letter and send it out to you know mail it out to a And do a direct mail test, I'm going to spend thousands of dollars putting, you know, printing it, putting it in envelopes, and sending it out. Okay. So to do. A simple test online is easy and cheap. To do it offline is not. So there's good and bad things about that. We're going to get talk about that in today's episode. To get the show notes for this episode of the email marketing podcast, go to the slash 67. Now I've got the this week's McMaster's inside of the week. Michael said, today I discovered solo ads, which are basically direct email to someone else's target list. And you can pay per click sent to your site, just like PPC. The advantages seem to be faster setup and less restrictions in Google AdWords. Uh, that is correct. So Michael mentioned this in McMaster's. And uh, I haven't used solo ads myself. I've heard differing I've heard different opinions on uh, whether they're good or bad, and they seem to work better for some niches, things like that, better for the marketing and uh, make money online, biz up stuff, but there may be other stuff out there. Just something to, to get you thinking, that's uh, this week's insight. Uh, you might want to look into it if you're looking for more traffic, and it can be a cheap way to get started with paid traffic and uh, start testing some stuff. Now, Michael put that in McMaster's. McMaster's is my private training community where uh, you can learn more about how to write a 10 email autoresponder sequence, how to build out your you know email marketing, how to build your sales funnel, all that sort of stuff. It's the best way to get direct access to me because there's a forum. You can jump in there, ask questions, and I will get back to you. I'm in there every day. So that's the best way to uh, get some coaching at uh, far less than the one-on-one coaching prices. Now, if you want to leave a review, go to iTunes, go to the store and uh, leave me a review. Search for the McMethod email marketing podcast. I should say it this way. If you like the email marketing podcast and you're getting a lot of value from it, go to the store, leave me a review, and uh, I'll give you a high five and I'll read it out on the show. So yeah, got one listener question and then we'll get into it. Today's listener question. Question is, how long did it take you to get good? I'm assuming this person means get good at copywriting. And uh, the answer is, uh, I mean, it really depends. Good enough to what? Good enough to make a lot of money, good enough to make, uh, you know, get clients good enough to, it's hard, really hard to define it. So the basic idea is good enough to, to. I'm it. this is probably from someone who just, who's maybe got a job, maybe wants to quit. you uh, They're trying to learn copy and they want to know how long it's going to take them before they're good enough. And uh, a lot of that's going to depend on their personal thing, how hard they're willing to work, when they get willing to sit down every day and write out the uh, sales that are by hand with a pen and paper. It's really going to, uh, you know, it's, it's going to depend on, you know, a lot of that's stuff and also just their natural aptitude for being a persuader you know if they've done sales before uh it's going to be you know if you've done sales before it's going to be easier than if you've never done sales before generally speaking if you've done you know whereas if you've Kind of be like an English major in school. You've probably got all these bad habits about what writing's meant to look like, and it might be harder to write copy because you're stuck in this that writing has to be all professional and be all grammatically correct, and that's a load of crap, at least when it comes to copywriting. So you know, if you've got a natural aptitude for it, you, you might be able to walk out tomorrow and get a client, right? So it's 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 a very it's a very hard question to answer, but you know, if you put it this way, the harder you work and uh, the more you kind of immerse yourself in sales and marketing and advertising, the faster you will get there. Put it that way. Now that's it for now. Let's get into this interview with. Craig Simpson. It's John McIntyre here, the respondent guy. I'm here with Craig Simpson. Now, Craig is a, uh, a direct mail guy, another direct mail guy. I just did uh, Brian Kurtz last night, and that podcast probably went live last week. Now, Craig's another direct mail guy. He's just had a book that's uh, he's done with... Dan Kennedy. So uh, this guy's up there. He's sending lots of mail, and uh, I wanted to get him on because you know I've done a lot of you know email guys and copywriters and internet guys coming on this show. But I think that that the roots of what we do really goes back to direct mail and kind of old school advertising, which isn't really that old school. I mean, it's still all around. And uh, I was just talking to Craig just then and, and I was thinking that what would be really interesting, at least as a starting point for this conversation would be to kind of look at the direct mail mindset because with direct mail, there's a lot more at stake with email marketing or with online marketing or a product launch, you can kind of do it. And if it doesn't work, it's not that big a deal. You just, you know you, you, you know, you got a domain, you know, maybe you've bought a domain, you pay for some hosting. Not, you don't have to spend much money to even run a test. You can split test with a bit of software and it doesn't cost you anything. Whereas when you're doing direct mail, me and Brian were talking about this last night, you gonna spend like $500 per 1,000 names that you might send out. And that makes any sort of test extremely expensive. So you gotta be on your game. So uh, I think uh, there's a lot to learn, you know, being an online marketer coming from this world, there's a lot to learn for me and for anyone else in this situation from the people doing direct mail. So, gonna see what sort of uh, what sort of goodness we can get into today. Craig, how you doing, mate?
0: Excellent. I'm doing very good. Thanks for the the introduction, and I'm excited to be on the, this podcast today. Yeah, man. it's
1: good to have you on the show. Uh, before we get into some of the you know the, the, the direct mail mindset and some of the other stuff, can you give the listener a bit of a background on uh, you know what you do and what you get up to most days?
0: Sure. So I'm a direct mail consultant, and I have a company, Simpson Direct, and we send out almost 300 uh, mail campaigns a year for a variety of of clients. I mean, we work with... Everything from uh, pet food stores selling dog food to, um, you know, big uh, information marketers to uh, companies like Beachbody that does P90X and Insanity. And, and we sell uh, face cream called Derm Exclusive. We sell different products and services for dentists, attorneys. I mean, you name it, there's just about someone we're working with in a niche um, using direct mail to help uh, different companies acquire new customers, uh, new patients generate leads, build their herd and i and 'm an old school guy i 've been doing it for almost uh, twenty years now so i 've been doing it for a long time
1: okay and just uh, I think an interesting question right now would be like you said you 've just been doing this for twenty years what are, what are your like, kind of thoughts on the whole internet marketing game and the product launches and all the sort of guru hoorah that kind of you know happens online, which I'm sure you're aware of.
0: Oh, totally. You know, and I think a lot of that is great, and I think I think the one area that everyone, that they're missing is they should all tie it in with direct mail. I think they'd all see their product launches and. And a lot of their big promotions be much more successful if they tie some direct mail into it. I mean, you know, when, you, um, when you're out there in the media and you're testing all these different media options, whether it's radio or TV or Internet, you compare the results and you look at them. Um, I mean, everyone's got a little bit, you know, they all have some strength. But um, for me, I've, you know, I'm saturated in direct mail, so I'm constantly seeing positive results um, from the direct mail market. And I'm seeing Internet and online guys. Um, using direct mail. Um, in fact, Google, um, they're the eighth largest technology mailer in the country. So you think all the hype and hoopla that goes along with Google and their online pay per click advertising. Well, behind the scenes, what's not really being reported is that they're heavily using direct mail. So much mail that they're up there with TV and AT&T and Verizon and Dell Computers, and they've become the eighth largest direct mail company um, in the United States for the technology niche. So I love, I love direct mail, and even though it's not the shiny object right now, it's still getting a lot of attention kind of behind the scenes.
1: Okay. Interesting. I'm curious. How hard is it? This might have been a question from more the end, towards the end. But how hard is it for someone, you know, like me, or you know, who's got an, a website, maybe a marketing consultancy, or a business selling, you know, anything from, like you mentioned, pet food? But someone's gonna be listening to this. Maybe they want to try give direct mail a try. How hard is it for them to go and get a campaign up and running without hiring someone like you? Is that is that possible, or do they need someone like you who's kind of in the trenches?
0: No, I think it's totally possible. You know I, I did my first direct mail campaign selling fake rock climbing holds through the mail. I don't know if you know what fake rock climbing holds are, but the things you bolt onto rock walls. And, yeah. and uh, I started out with 250 pieces, and, and to be honest, a 250 piece mailing. And to be honest, my first mailing was a complete bomb, but I kept testing and testing and trying different things and eventually on my own without anyone else's help I end up selling over four thousand rocks through the mail and I think with anybody whether you're a small business owner or just getting started you know selling a new product or service if you if you you know read some of these books and and look at the the testing methods that you learn and start out small spend a few hundred pieces at a time you can find something that's working for your niche and then just roll it out. You, know, you don't have to start out with a 50,000 piece meal and you can start out with small, a small sample size and work your way up um, as you get a great return on investment and you test things and you figure out what works and what doesn't. Hmm.
1: I, like this. I like that you mentioned this, basically the testing mindset, which is something that's taken a long time to sort of click, you know, for me to understand is yeah, I've done campaigns just online, you know, paid traffic campaign before. It was a couple of years ago when I was just getting started and uh, it didn't work. The first few times it didn't work and uh, me not really knowing what I was doing or understanding how this stuff really worked was like, all right, well, I don't know if I consciously decided to give up. I just gave up. I just didn't follow through and I stopped doing it and, and that was that now. You know, I've been reading, you know, doing some Perry Marshall stuff and I'm setting up a paid traffic campaign for my own business. Now it's like starting to click that if all I'd done is just kept that campaign running, you know, spending $10 or $20 a day, whatever it happened to be, two years later, which is now, or three years later now, I would be miles ahead just by that simple fact of just sitting down and testing consistently. And this is something that a lot of people online, it might take them a while to get. If they've been in the game and they get the right mentor, they'll get it, you know, sort of quick. Everyone says split test, split test. But this is... Maybe online, like like I was saying before, the stakes aren't as high as direct mail. If you fail, you're not going to lose that much money. Whereas with direct mail, you have to get this stuff ironed out. So testing is really like it's mandatory if you're doing direct mail, isn't it?
0: Oh, it is. And you know, that's a great point. I mean, you, you, you started the conversation out with talking about the stakes are different, you know, with direct mail. I mean, and the stakes are high because of you are investing so much. I mean, you know, if you don't really think through the testing process and what it is you want to achieve, you know, out of, out of your test, you can end up wasting a lot of money. So you really, you're forced with direct mail to really not just, um, run out there and throw something together and hope that it works you really have to put the time and energy to think through the process and think okay what testing variables are going to give me the best chance for success and you know what are the things that I need to see first is it, is it do I need to test my price point to see if you know one price point has a significant boost, gives me a significant boost in response compared to another do I need to test format, do I need to test sales copy or headlines I mean you have to think through what is the things that I can test with a limited you know amount of capital uh, that I can use and see what's going to help me out the most and and uh, I think with it's the preparation side of direct mail that makes you so much different than the online marketing the testing ideas may be a lot of the same, but you have so much more at stake that you really have to put more time up front thinking through the process because you, you, you there's so much at risk. Does that make sense? Did that, that help ex- explain that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, when I was talking to Brian last night about this, it was the thing that I have found or the thing which we discussed is the whole, there's a good and a bad thing about it. You know, you're online, the stakes are low. So therefore, you know, you don't have to try that hard, which is, in a sense, it's a good thing because the stakes are low and you're not going to, you know, if you mess up, you're not going to lose your house or whatever. But, uh, you know, with direct the stakes are higher. So on the one hand, that's bad. There's, you know, more risk. There's more at stake. But that also means that you have to be on your game, which means you end up with better copy, a better campaign. You test more stuff and you end up with probably a more solid business. Whereas, right. I mean, Brian mentioned there's a lot more one hit wonders online than there is offline. Totally.
0: Totally. I did a study on uh, the customer values between someone who's generated online versus somebody who's generated on TV and somebody who's generated through direct... And I took 50,000 buyers from TV, 50,000 buyers from direct mail, and 50,000 buyers from internet, all who had paid the exact same price for a product within the same time period. And we looked at the long-term customer values of them. The, the customers that were brought in through direct mail ended up spending three times as much as those who were brought in through the internet. And they spent twice as much as those who were brought in through the TV. So. Um, it was harder to acquire those customers, but they ended up spending a lot more money than those that were generated through other sources. So there's a lot to be said about, you know, direct mail. When you can get a customer and you can find a system that works, um, it's something that you can use to really bring in your best customers.
1: Okay. Well, give me a... I'm curious, because I've never actually done a direct mail campaign. I, you know, maybe i feel feeling almost a bit guilty. You shame on you. You should. <laughs> I totally should. But give me... You know, I've got a basic idea of what I think uh, you know, a direct mail campaign looks like, but give me a rundown of say I suppose I was to do a direct mail campaign, what what would it involve? What would it look like? What sort of things would I have to do to make it happen? Well, I
0: think the first thing is you need to start off with um, you know, what is your offer? you know, what it is you're selling. You really want to take a close look at it and figure out, you know, you're, you're, you're going to be talking face-to-face, essentially, you know, through a sales letter um, with someone. you got to think about what a reasonable offer would be um, that would be good enough to get them to respond and, and take action. So let's say you're going to a list of cold prospects, you're probably not going to have much luck selling them a $7,000 coaching package right out of the gate with direct mail. You're going to have to get them to warm up to you a bit before you can do that. So what I find for, for the first offer, it's best to either do a price point that's below $200 or some kind of free offer to get them into a, a, a sales funnel where you can send them free reports and other information and kind of bring them up the ascension ladder. So first you wanna look at your offer and identify what it is, make sure it'll fit for direct mail. Then you're gonna write your sales copy and the length of the copy will depend on, you know, how long it, t- it takes to tell your story and to list all the benefits and get them to respond and get, get the information across to the prospect that will motivate them to, to respond. And once you have the copy, then it's, uh, you get the design done. And, and with direct mail, it's not, uh, it's not the Madison Fifth Avenue really flashy, big photos and images of design. It's really focused on the copy, and, it, and we want uh, any design work done on it to enhance the copy and not distract from it. Um, once we have those things, we work on finding the right mailing list, which is you know, make, making sure that we have the best um, prospects to go after to present your offer. And then uh, once we have those things, we get the piece printed and mailed and, and track the response and find out what worked and what didn't. So that's kind of a, a basic rundown of, of the direct mail uh, schedule.
1: Okay. And how good of a copywriter do you need to be to really pull something like this off with the sales letter? Boy, like, it really depends on who you're
0: marketing to and what you're selling. I mean, if you're, doing a, if you're a regional business and you're selling pizzas, you could probably be uh, you know, not a very good copywriter and do okay because you have a really targeted market in a targeted area. Um, if you're trying to sell a joint pain sup- supplement on a national campaign, you're going to have to be an A-list copywriter in order to get the, the response needed. So really the offer and the market that you're in really determines how good of a writer you have to be.
1: Okay, okay. So this, oh, that's interesting. So it's kind of like you can get by with, with not bad copy, you still need good copy, but it's almost like the, the copy really depends on, like it's, you got know, to understand its context and that you can yeah. L- yeah, lower the requirement for good copy by improving your targeting or matching.
0: Yeah, you know, to piggyback on maybe your conversation you had with Brian, I believe he said you know, last week or last night, you know, that he always brags about, uh, not brags, but he talks about often about how, you know, boardroom, they often their highest paid employees or, or, or people that work for them were their copywriters because they knew that the copywriters were the ones that were going to bring them the success, They're so the ones that could um, talk directly to the customer through a piece of mail and get them to respond. So the big companies that are really successful in direct mail, they spend a lot of money with copywriters knowing that that's that's a key, key part
1: of the success of a campaign yeah okay okay and this is really where copy kind of grew its legs you know once upon a time copy didn't really exist i think it was back in claude hopkins talks about it and it was my life in advertising where no one was really doing it but eventually they you know people started selling the same thing and all of a sudden you needed a way to differentiate yourself from everyone else and that became you know send them a letter and then obviously if everyone's sending letters you have to send the best letter and that's that's right copy that's where kind of copy grew out of exactly
0: I mean, it really is an art. I mean, as you know, it's, it's not an easy task just to sit down and put pen to paper and, and create a, ma- a message that is going to motivate somebody to respond. And, and especially with all the clutter and things that are out there today, you've got to really stand out and, and make, a, make yourself look different so that you can motivate them to res- the prospects to respond.
1: Mm. I find it absolutely fascinating from a, it's almost like, it's. I look at copywriting, not so much as, you know, copywriting or persuasion, so much as just clear communication, where you have to figure out how, how can you use just the, the utmost clarity in describing whatever you're trying to describe, whatever you're trying to sell in a way that like you've got to put aside every single prejudice you have and Mm believe all your ideas you have about whatever it is you're trying to sell and start to think entirely within the mindset of the person you're writing to. So therefore, so then you can, the copy that you write, the whole, the sole purpose of that is to get this prospect to understand it in a way that he's going to, that's going to fit with his mindset and his beliefs and everything like that. So it's, it's a communication game. almost. That's why I, I, that's, that's how I look at it
0: you you're exactly right you're exactly right you know there was i think it was Gary Halbert that said uh you know it's not a that's not a problem a great sales letter can't solve you know and it really doesn't I mean that, that that great sales letter can do so many things as far as you know getting the emotion of of the prospect and getting them excited about something to the point where they may not even know you, but yet they're willing to pull out their credit card and spend money with you. And so it's it's not uh, it's not easy to do, but when it's done right, it's very effective.
1: Hmm. Tell me about some of the maybe the mistakes. I'm sure you uh, maybe you see sort of mistakes that happen with people who go online and uh, like based on your experience from you know doing direct mail for 20 years. That's. Uh, uh, I'm sure there's got to be something that you're seeing some of these online guys doing You they go, why are they doing that? They just, they just don't get it. Is there anything like that?
0: <laughs> well, uh, po- possibly. I mean, you may know better than I do on this, but I've, I've consulted with over hundred companies, and I'll tell you the one, number one mistake that I've seen made across the board has to do with the long-term customer value. And so, I don't know if this is an online mistake or not, but uh, for most of the companies that I've consulted, I've seen this problem over and over again. And when it comes down to when you're evaluating your marketing campaigns, people often look at that initial sale, um, what was made off of that initial campaign, and think, wow, that wasn't very much money, or I lost a few dollars here on every customer that came in the door, that wasn't worth it. So therefore, you know, the campaign bombed. It wasn't a success. But if you look at the long-term value of the customer and see what they're going to spend over the course of the lifetime, then that campaign where they may, you may have lost a few dollars in every customer coming in the door, all of a sudden looks totally different when you consider the customer's long-term value. So let's say, for example, it cost you $200 to acquire a customer. And the customer only spent one hundred and fifty dollars with you, so you end up losing fifty dollars for every customer you brought in the door. Well, what happens if that customer 's long term value over the next nine months to a year that they end up spending three hundred and fifty four hundred dollars with you? Well, if you look at it in those terms, it becomes a super profitable campaign because you're calculating in what this customer is going to bring you down the road. So um, I'm not sure if it's a problem with the online or not, It's just in general with what I've seen with a lot of companies I consulted with is that they don't consider the long-term value when they look at the results of their, their, their campaigns.
1: This is something that, that sort of, you know, it's ringing true or rang true, you know, a lot lately is because I had another guy on this podcast to talk about. He's an internet guy and, uh, you know, he's all about recurring revenue, which is great. And i would never really done it before. So I'm like, all right, well, I'll give this a shot. So I said, yeah, he, he has a forum and a community. Obviously, people pay per month. So you get that recurring revenue come in. And and he, I mean, there's a bunch of guys who are talking about this right now. Right? So I went and set the forum up. It's going great. And it's still out there. It's still, uh, you know, it's still running. And I'm still pushing people to go and buy it. But what I realized after, uh, after a month or two of having it open was that the point isn't to have recurring revenue. The point is to have a higher lifetime customer value. So with you know, when you make a product and you sell it for say $100, you make $100. But if I can put somebody in a community where they pay $100 a month, I'm going to make $300 or whatever it happens to be. The, the exactly. though is that everyone, you might have a community where people can pay per month. That doesn't mean they're going to stay forever. There's always going to be an average amount of time. Maybe it's three months. And if it's three months at $100 a month, your lifetime customer value is only three, you know, is $300. And that's the, that's the right. real figure. That's the important part. And that's where you might think, well, why don't, well we could sell a $100 product on the front and, and a month later and then sell them a $500 product and then we'd have a $600 lifetime value. Therefore, we'd eliminate the need for this, this forum. And so it's kind of like once you realize what metrics you need to focus on, it actually becomes a lot easier to manage and build a business. It's like what Peter Drucker said, what gets measured gets managed.
0: You're exactly right. And it's amazing how many businesses actually miss that. You know, it, 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 uh, they, they are so nearsighted in their thinking that they really just need to take a look at the long-term value and think about that end goal. I mean, you know, most people buy because they're, they're a creature of habit. They've got a hobby and interest or a desire. And you are offering them something that, that makes them, that you're offering something that they want, whether it's a hobby and interest or a desire. So why not keep offering them other products and services and try and keep them part of your family and keep them buying from you? Because if they're not going to buy from you, they're going to buy from someone else. So being nearsighted and only focusing on that first transaction is going to cause you to miss out on low-hanging fruit and easy to acquire or easy to sell uh, customers on the back end. Um, Whereas if you really think long-term, long-term relationship, long-term customer value, offer other products and services you're going to fulfill the needs of the customer's desires and their their hobbies and their interests and at the same time it's going to bring you more revenue and uh allow you to build to um grow your business quicker because you can you can build it based on the back end sales
1: yeah absolutely and it seems to me that you know as a business owner the point isn't to do anything like the the primary job of really the you know the guys managing the business, the entrepreneur, is to get more leads in, and this is what marketers do, basically, but get more leads in, convert more of those leads to customers, and then make those customers spend as much money as possible over the course of their lifetime.
0: That's, that's exactly right. So let me ask you, so do you find in the internet world that uh, that focus is, is, do you feel like that that most internet marketers have that long-term value thought in mind, or do you think they're more short, short-term and just trying to grab that initial that initial sale and move on to the next customer
1: yeah i think a lot of people online they i mean and and i'm i was one of them i'm still one of them i guess many ways that you know people get into the online game because they want to you know i live in thailand so a lot of people have heard my story and they're like well i want to move to thailand and work online and travel around and do all that (laughs) so the emphasis is less on building you know less on doing things the way business should be done and more on I want to have a great lifestyle and that will often mean that I think someone will make yeah I guess short-sighted decisions they're not in the game to build a big business that maybe one day they can sell or that that they uh, basically like a recurring net income asset they're not and maybe that I think that'll come down the line I've been doing this for a couple of years now and it's starting to click and I'm starting to get it but at least initially no one really thinks like this because most people come straight from jobs straight from the working class that no one in their family has done business so no one's really explained this stuff to them and it's very hard to to get this sort of, these sort of realizations from our book, you've kind of got to be in the trenches working and doing it for a while until you start to go, hang on, if all I do is sell an ebook, here, that's not a very good business. You can't do much with that. Right. It's not worth much to anyone. And uh, right. you start to get those light bulb moments and that's, I guess, what's been happening for me this year is starting to go, I can't just sell an e-book. I can't just sell one product. This has to be a big business with various different products at various price points with a marketing system in place and all that stuff.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Good.
1: <laughs> I've noticed too, like these guys like Perry Marshall, which are out there talking about this stuff. And uh, if you go to any kind of like advanced marketing lesson or course or something like that, or listen to podcasts like this, you'll hear about it. But even then, like you know, I, I've read, you know, I've read Dan Kennedy stuff before, and a lot of these guys, and they talk about this lifetime customer value. And I was always annoyed in the sense that to me it feels like a very hard number to track and it's you know annoying and cumbersome and all all of that it's just so much easier to focus on just a sale but mm. i think what's really making it click for me right now is that i'm setting up a in the process of setting up a, a sales funnel for a paid traffic campaign and uh, i just had uh, sat down with the i guess a mentor last uh, was it was two weeks ago or a week ago and his advice was basically instead of just selling that one product on the front which uh, i've got up for i think it's about seven dollars right now he said go and set up three upsells so you can make instead of Seven dollars, you make three hundred dollars. And uh, at, at first, I was kind of like, that, "That's okay, that's not that big of a deal." But I will go and do it because you told me to. But then I started thinking. I was thinking, if I do that, that means that if all I did, like if I could get one person to buy buy the product and buy every upsell, so one person through the funnel in say two thousand people, and it only cost me that could cost me three hundred dollars, and I'm breaking even. And then there's an email sequence, like a back end sequence, which is obviously going to pick up a few more sales. So it's going to put the campaign into just straight pro- uh, profit. Whereas if I only had that one product and the, the potential to only really make $7 from one person on that first day, it would be a very different game. And I would, and I think this is happening all the time online, and probably maybe with direct mail too, is that because I ch- like dramatically change the potential money that I can make on that front, I'm gonna be able to look at a campaign with, you know, a lot more of a positive outlook. Because if it's not working straight away, I'm going, well hang on. I can probably spend, I can spend up to $300 on this campaign before I really can start to think that maybe it's not working, which is, you know, if you're at $7, that's a very different, you know, you're going to start, you know, you're like, this campaign's not working. There's no way I'm ever going to make my money back. And then you give up too early. So to me, it's kind of like, this is why you need, like, this is almost like the fundamental foundation. If you can get this part lined out, the amount of money that you make from someone, everything else gets easier.
0: That's right. Everything else does get easier when you do that, exactly. And it really can guide. You. It guides you and tells you, um, you know, what what marketing campaigns are worth pursuing and which ones you should stay away from, because you know the value of the customer and how much they're going to bring in. It's uh, really becomes a basically a roadmap for you to follow and uh, it's a lot of work to track it but but it's well worth it and will save you money and will make you more money in the long run
1: yeah absolutely and I don't think I think it's probably not because somebody was you know someone might be listening to this and they're thinking this is too hard to track this isn't fair and uh, I, I don't think it's like that's how I used to think and now it's like it's not it, it is hard to track in a way you may need you know months and months of data to kind of figure it out but it's when you when you think about it like with this with this traffic campaign that I'm about to run, I've got to, I have got—I know I've got roughly the potential to make $300 on the front end if someone buys, and then there'll be, depending on how many sales come on the back, there might be $500 or $1,000 or whatever on top of that. So there's potential for profit on the back, and it's very helpful to know that. And with the forum, which uh, is actually called McMasters, which people have probably heard of is uh, I know that while it's, a, it's actually a quarterly thing right now, while people are only going to stay for one quarter or two quarters, it's going to be, well, however long it happens to be, but there'll be an average time. It helps for me to keep that in mind. So I know that it's not going to be an infinite infinite amount of money. I know that there's only going to be $250 or $500 that, that this person's going to give me. And that's when you know that, it gives you a lot more, it's kind of like decision-making power. Right, totally. It, you're exactly right. Cool. All right, man. Well, uh, we we're coming up right on time. I, I wasn't sure if you would be am Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> we, we, before we, uh, before we wrap up, so we come up right on time here. But before we wrap up, can you, uh, the listener, this might be wondering where they can learn more about you, and uh, maybe they even want to hire you, to, or maybe they just want to talk to you about the direct mail stuff and how they can set it up in their business. So, where's the best place to go and learn more about Craig Simpson?
0: Uh, the best place is to go and get my book, which is called The Direct Mail Solution. You can get it at the Direct Mail Book. Dot com. Simple, just the directmailbook.com. And it's called The Direct Mail Solution, and it's written by Dan Kennedy myself. And it basically gives you all the details on how to put together a direct mail campaign from start to finish. The things to watch out for, the things that will save you money, the things that will help make you more money. It gives tips on copywriting lists production, um, tracking the whole nine yards, even lifetime value and even tracking lifetime value so um, you can get the book on Amazon as well uh, it's called The Direct Mail Solution so that's really the best way to find out more about me and more about Direct Mail is to, is to get that book
1: Welcome. so all will links to the book on the show notes at newsmagic.com well. so if you want to get, to get over there the link and that book Alright, great, it been good man, thanks for coming on the show
0: Great, thank you for having
1: me, appreciate it Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. If you want to discover more insider tips, tricks, and secrets about driving sales with email marketing, sign up for daily email tips from the autoresponder guy. Go to dropdeadcopy.com slash podcast. Sign up, confirm your email address, and I'll send you daily emails on how to improve your email marketing and make more sales via email. You'll find out why open rates don't matter, and the seven-letter word that underlies all effective marketing, and much more.